0: Welcome to Six Pennies Podcast. Today we are gonna bring back the Entrepreneur Series. It's been a few months, but for those who don't know, the Entrepreneur Series is where I interview different entrepreneurs and business owners all around the country and get them to tell you about their lessons learned and some of the best things and advice that they can give you for you know, future entrepreneurs or those who want to become their own business owners. Before we do that, let's go ahead and give props to some of our sponsors. Our first one is the presenting sponsor of this podcast. It is our friends at Farmers Insurance and Derek Shaw. His phone number is 214-729-6462. That's 214-729-6462. Derek is eagerly awaiting your call texts or even FaceTime message to get a free consultation that includes home life and auto insurance quote today and more importantly if you mention to Derek six pennies podcast he's going to give you an amazing discount that's 214-729-6462 our next sponsor is Avion Realty that's A-V-I-G-N-O-N Realty If you are a real estate agent located in Houston or Dallas or anywhere in the big cities in Texas, look into Avion Realty to provide you the support and infrastructure you need to become a successful real estate agent. I know Van Din, Coach Van, if you will, the owner personally. It's 469-951-3585. He's going to offer a 100% commission plan for all real estate agents. This is an amazing offer. I don't know if you guys have heard any of the big box ones like Ebi Holiday and... Remax and things like that. They don't give you 100% or Avion Realty will you will also be given one-on-one Performance coaching all the mentoring that you need from the firm's experienced brokers And this is the best part you can work from home. You can work remotely They'll have all the tools you need you just need an internet connection um, And you can just log in from your computer anywhere around the world or if you wanted to go into their office they are located in Dallas and Houston Again, that's 469-951-3585. That's Coach Van Dent's personal number, 469-951-3585. And if you mention Six Pennies Podcast to Coach Van, he's going to give you the first month's brokerage fee on the house. He's going to waive it just because you mentioned Six Pennies Podcast. All right, we have Ed on the line. Actually, I'm, I'm in Ed's house right now in his office. How are you doing, Ed? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for coming over, Robbie Ed Chow. So let's get a little introduction about who you are, what you do, and your background.
1: All right, pretty open ended, but I guess we'll start with, man, who am I? Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. It's a I'm big a question. crazy dude. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a kid at heart. I mean, I'm 34 years old at this point. Uh, married, got our number, first baby on the way Exciting. in three days. Yeah, uh, and entrepreneur um i feel like i already have two babies i have the houston escape room um it's almost five years old and hoop club it's about a year and a half old i mean they're kind of like kids i mean they're a big part of my identity um every day i kind of have the same three priorities in life right now it's Mm. houston escape room it's hoop club and it's taking care of Elizabeth and the baby. You know, just trying to get ready. And it's been that way for the, probably the past nine months. So I don't even know if I remember what life's like before before these three things. Who I am, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. And I think that's the first and foremost priority that I have in my life, um, is just to honor God with everything that I do and everything I am. And I hope that my endeavors are reflective of, you know, who he created me to be. And that's my goal.
0: I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that's all I got right now. <laughs> no, that's that's beautiful. Um, I know being an entrepreneur, especially your own entrepreneur, um, you can't really pigeonhole days into eight hours or ten hours. But to your best of your ability, can you help break us down? How much time do you spend on Houston Escape and how much time do you spend on Hoot Club each day?
1: It's a roller coaster every day, and actually, I, I can break it down pretty well for you um, because I've been. Since the beginning of twenty nineteen, very diligent in planning out my days and using a planner. Um, a friend, shout out to Melissa Kidanakis down in Houston. She gifted me um, what's called the Monk Manual. Beautiful. And it's a ninety day planner, and it forces you to to think about time. You know, in ninety day chunks. You know, you plan out months and then weeks and then days. Hmm. Um, and so. It's just it was a Kickstarter project that um, took off, and I think it's just very thoughtfully made, taking a lot of different productivity tools and combine them, condense them, simplify them in a way where I actually want to stick with it on a day to day basis. You know, so pretty much every every morning um, for the past four and a half months, I've been using the Monk Manual um, to lay out the top three priorities of my day, and then a short to-do list, three things I'm grateful for, one thing I'm really looking forward to do, um, ways I can give. And so that'll be my morning, and then at night I'll reflect um, you mm-hmm. know, highlights of the day, uh, when I was at my best, when I felt unrest, and then one way I can improve the next day. So that's like on a daily basis. But the schedule these days has been been pretty odd. Um, I've been spending a lot of my mornings playing pickleball with Elizabeth because, you know, she's had a pretty bumpy ride in terms of the pregnancy. And about three weeks ago, I discovered pickleball. And it's kind of changed our life because Elizabeth's been able to just be active and move around. Have you ever heard of pickleball? Is it kind of like paddles and... Yeah, like a, a, a cross between ping pong and tennis. Yeah, that's a perfect way to describe okay. it, actually. I'm pretty <laughs> impressed that you knew <laughs> to, 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 to know that at all. And it's funny when I first started because I visit, you know, I'm at Fretz Recreation Center a lot. Mm. I, you know, going there to pay for the facility. There's always these elderly people uh, playing, playing this funny looking game called pickleball. And one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go try it. Because mm. uh, I had to go meet with the manager over there. I played it and... I was hooked, I thought it was so much fun. I came home, I told Elizabeth, hey, you need to come and watch me play because I am so good at pickleball. (laughs) And everyone's so impressed with me. She's like, ha, 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 very funny, but she's very supportive, so she came and watched. And then um, she's like, this looks pretty cool. So she came back with me again on Wednesday night where they play the advanced session. Mm -hmm. Um, Two of the players came over and asked Elizabeth and I if we wanted to play with them. And I made the mistake of saying, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Elizabeth, you know, she's not quite ready to be on the court right now. She's, you know, she's pregnant. It she probably wouldn't be safe for her to move around in her toms. And Elizabeth just gave me the look. You don't think I'm ready? And that was over. And it was yeah. over. She got on the court. She played. She she loved it. And we've been playing almost every day since oh, great. the past three weeks. That's great. So, sorry, big time tangent. But, yeah, pickleball. um in the mornings, um, have lunch. I squeeze in, you know, my morning routines before pickleball, I get in probably two of my priorities with work, um, either Houston escape room or hoop club stuff, um, beforehand, grab lunch, go home, work for the afternoon. And then in the evening time I've been going out to hoop club a lot because we've been transitioning to kind of our new payment process system. With the rec centers, so I've wanted to be there, hands on, with my facilitators to make sure that our team is, like, all the customers are getting a smooth experience. Um, pain. So I've been taking photos as well at some of these sessions, just practicing. And you know, a new friend of mine showed me kind of like how to how to take better photos. So mm. uh, the best reason to learn something new, I think, is when you need it. And I think that's what any entrepreneur can probably tell you, Albie, is like, I mean, you just have to learn everything. Uh, And you don't know what you're going to need to learn when you need to learn it, but you just do it. Um, And so that's been probably the best motivator for me learning new things with regards to um, entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah. So I have a couple reactions before we move on. First, uh, thank you for bringing up, is that called the monk notebook? Monk manual. Monk manual. Um, again this is the entrepreneur series so we you know the overall goal here is to connect other entrepreneurs or pe- people who are questioning or thirsty to jump into that that space if you will so that's that's great feedback there monk Manuel. um and secondly you mentioned Houston Houston Escape Room, and you also mentioned the Hoop Club. If we can give the listeners a little background on each of them and what they do, and and where your role is behind each of those, you know, business entities, we'll start with the Houston Escape Room. What is that?
1: All right. Well, the Houston Escape Room was the first escape room in Texas. Uh, I think. Most of your listeners probably already know what an escape room is, but for those who don't know, it's essentially a game where we lock a team into a room together for an hour, and they try to escape by solving clues and puzzles and riddles. Have you ever done an escape room, Alvy?
0: I actually did. About yeah, about the same time you, you opened up the Houston one, maybe, maybe four or five years ago. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um,
1: actually, I want to give a shout out to Mok, uh, because he was one of our very first customers oh, when we opened great. up. And we were, we opened up in the, in the attic of this three story house and we were doing $5 sessions for, yeah. for beta testers. And he came with his friends and I think wrote about us on Fresh Patrol. You were involved in Fresh yes, Patrol as well. Yes, right? yeah,
0: a long time ago. And wow, this is all coming <laughs> down. Yeah. It
1: is. And now I'm on, on the podcast. I really feel like being on Fresh Patrol launched Houston Escape Room, mm-hmm. um, at least maybe within. You know, at least one one circle, you know, within, I think the Asian Christians within, within Houston, I think it really, the word really got out. You know, we never spent a penny, a dime on, on advertising. It was all word of mouth from the beginning, you know, that was, that summer I had rented that space for three months just to test the concept. My wife and I pulled $4,500 out of savings was like, we just have to try it, you know, through the support of mock and all of our other customers, like, spurred us on to to keep going on the journey so now with houston escape room my role is more vision and strategy for the team you know it's a very crowded space right now it's their escape rooms have been popping up like frozen yogurt stands uh for the past few years Mm -hmm. and we've been looking for a way to differentiate ourselves and so i'm really excited about what we're spinning off of houston escape room um We think it's gonna be a completely separate line or separate company in and of itself. And right now we're calling it room versus room. Had so many teams come through, uh, corporate teams in particular, that when they get ready to play an escape room or their escape rooms respectively, they always like to trash talk and Mm -hmm. put a wager, you Mm -hmm. know, on who's gonna get out first. And we're trying, we're thinking, you're comparing apples to oranges. Like these two rooms are very different. Why? I mean, it's just, it's not a level playing field. It doesn't make sense to compete, but whatever, whatever they want to do, it's yeah. fine. Cause, cause that's what they want to do. But it really made us think maybe there's something to be created here. And so I think at our anniversary party about a year and a half ago, uh, my manager back then and I, we, we conceptualized this battleship, slash escape room remix we prototyped it with our staff and found that this was good this is really fun this Mm -hmm. is really cool and so we so basically the concept is we take two teams uh, and we put them into identical submarine themed rooms okay and then they set up their fleet of ships the way you do on battleship on the console on this on the screen in front of them okay once the game begins team's do exactly what they do in escape room, which is they go out and solve clues and puzzles and riddles, but at the end of every puzzle chunk is a six-character alphanumeric code. They enter that into the con- into the console. If it's correct, they get a weapon added to their arsenal that they can then fire at the other room. So it's whichever team, whichever room takes out the other room first wins. So we soft-launched that a few months ago and you know, have some software issues, some glitches that just, made the experience not very reliable mm-hmm. but we've been patching it since and i think we're at a place now where we feel very confident in in the offering and the product and so we're finally ready to kind of push the marketing so we're excited to to see if this concept will catch on and be viral because we're already design. i'm already designing the next one after this one. Oh wow like the, the naval warfare battleship one so my role in the company right now is more on the strategy Designing the games and the and the clues, I think it's just it's, that's the fun stuff. Obviously, there's a ton of administrative stuff too uh, that comes along with uh, running a business. Uh, but I have an amazing team uh, to be able to help me with that, and uh, it's you, you take all of that uh, into consideration when when you sign up for this.
0: Yeah. So the Houston Escape Room, you said it's uh it's been five years now mm-hmm. since um, and then you also mentioned that. The market is getting pretty saturated mm-hmm. is that just domestically or is that also internationally is that something yeah, venture that's a great that you're, you're looking into
1: some of the background and context on the history of escape rooms is it i mean the concept originated in japan mm-hmm. uh, as a pc game and the very first live escape room was probably made you know two to th- probably three years before the first one in the u.s so already you know asia is you know, far ahead um, from the West on I think the future of, of this industry and it, it, it traveled West into Europe uh, and then I think as far as I know the US was probably the last uh, mm-hmm. for, for escape rooms to develop so I think that while it's relatively saturated even in Asia there are still thriving companies out there, uh, big chains as well as some small mom and pop independent ones, like last time I went to Taiwan about a year ago um, we got to play one, and it was a ton of fun. It looked like they were still well booked. Um, had a lot of customers coming in, so I think the future is still to be seen here in the West, in the West uh, for the escape room industry. Still very young, but you'll see, you know, some national chains with bigger funding and backing be able to grow faster. Um, but I think that there's still room um, in this industry for you know, the indie game designers, or maybe the mom and pops. And I don't really know necessarily what, how big we want to be. Um, but we just know that we like to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think with this room versus room concept and we're thinking a more lean and mean business model where we pop up, you know, a location that's about a thousand square feet, two rooms, a lobby and a bathroom. We think that's going to be a little easier to operate than what we have been doing, which is, Five escape rooms in one facility, and it's almost like running a movie theater. Um, it just gets uh, pretty complicated operationally, and also revenue-wise, um, I feel like it's better to have you know ninety percent saturation of two rooms than forty percent, fifty percent of five rooms. Just um, less waste. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's where I'm headed with it. Um, you know, it's it's a tough time for the company right now, but. I think the future is bright. Okay.
0: Um, so for Houston Escape Room, you said there's a you have a venue of five different rooms, mm-hmm. probably a lobby and like a sign up area. Um, how many people does it take to run something like that? How many people are a part of Houston Escape Room? We have so just to clarify,
1: we actually have two locations okay. um, in Houston. There's one in the Memorial area that has right now three rooms running and capacity for four. And so on staff, I have about fourteen people. Um, three full-time and the rest are part-time at the moment um, my two managers are full-time and then we have a production um, manager who's full-time as well
0: this is a, a good segue into you know some of the challenges when people think about conceptually coming up with their own business or running their own business is you know creating and building a staff that they can trust hmm. so for your perspective How did you choose the people, you know, just go through, just go through that process of choosing and hiring and interviewing?
1: (laughs) It's really funny. I'm laughing because the very first employee that I hired was a customer who was in the room. I just thought she would be perfect to facilitate for us because she was really bright. Like I could tell the way she was thinking and processing the clues. She was in the room with her family, but she was also really shy. Um, And I thought, you know what? This would be a great way for her to be able to improve her public speaking and get her to feel more comfortable with groups of people and sharing her thoughts. I reached out to her dad, who's a professor at Rice. I was like, "Hey, would your do you think your daughter would be interested in in working at the Houston Escape Room?" And he's like, "She's kind of lazy, but let me ask." And <laughs> so, you know, we ended up having lunch, and she was my first hire, and she's still with us. Wow, um, five years later. Yeah, exactly, and she's. Just now engaged to the my previous manager nice. <laughs> at the Houston <laughs> Escape Room, um, and it's we just kind of started there, uh, just really small. I will say this: this this kind of forced Elizabeth and me to trust mm. our staff with our business. So when we started the escape room, we knew that we were moving to New York that July, and so. We had about a four-month window oh, to so you, try this business. You created a business in
0: Houston, <laughs> but then you left and went to New York. Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: I don't okay. recommend that part okay. to most entrepreneurs. Wow, okay. But against advice from close counsel, friends yeah. and family, yeah. I just had to try it. You know, I figured the worst-case scenario, the business fails. No one likes what, what we built. We pack it up. Call it a day, move on, no big deal. If for some some miracle, like it takes off, then we'll have a good we'll have a good problem on our hands to solve. Uh, we'll have to figure out how to keep it going, find a new and bigger mm-hmm. space for it, and that's what ended up happening. You know, we I ended up having to fly back from New York um, at least once a month uh, to be able to find our new space, work with a team. But at the time, you know, the team was probably about four four people, and they were all really young either I think just like just fresh out of college um one my manager who was who had worked for two or three years in aerospace engineering Mm -hmm. um we just trust we just we had to trust them and it forced me to to not be a micromanager and I don't think I am naturally anyway um, but it really forced me to to try to find ways to guide and to teach and navigate the business from afar and I think it's led to a situation now where I'm very happy about that because I'm not, one of my goals as an entrepreneur is to get to a stage where I'm not necessary in the business Mm. and self-sustainability. Exactly. One of the, one of my resources and influences um, in terms of recommendations for other entrepreneurs as well is a book called startup leadership by Derek Lido, entrepreneurship professor at Princeton university. And he talks about like the four stages of entrepreneurship and, Once you get to that fourth stage, when you can start to innovate and create new things again, it's also when you get to the point where the entrepreneur is not necessary. And so, you know, there's, it's really hard to define success for an entrepreneur. And I, for Mm. me, I mean, it's hard to not make it money about money and make that part of your identity. And so I, I feel like when I'm not necessary anymore in this business is really where I've, I've gotten uh, to a level of success,
0: okay. yeah. So I, I love when you know I interview entrepreneurs, want to be entrepreneurs, and we. I mean, we can talk about themes and visions and what they want all day, all day long, right? Mm-hmm. But I do want to give the listeners just some you know concrete details or some concrete problems that you solve. For, for example. Houston Escape Room, you have fourteen people on staff. Yeah, how do you handle payroll and accounting and legal and all that? Do you, you know, leverage outside vendors or outside counsel to the, to do that, or did you hire your own internal accounting team? Like, how does that
1: work? How do you pay someone? In the beginning, we pretty much used Intuit QuickBooks um, as soon as we were taking in money, and they had a payroll system um, that we could. Pretty much automate. Uh, I then transitioned um, not too long after that to a new system called Gusto or Gusto, and it's just clean and more modern um, in terms of uh, software tools that are out there today. Uh, so payroll, we will we'd use a, another app to track time um, called Zimble X-I-M-B-L-E. and then you know my managers will enter in all the hours hmm. uh, and then I review them and enter them into, into Gusto and run payroll, you know, every two weeks. That's if I can't, I'll, I'll speak to the legal part. Yeah. You know, like, and then also accounting, I have a, my friend, Melissa who gave me the monk manuals, also a CPA and also our bookkeeper. So she closed our books every month. Got and, it. You know, I pay her through Gusto mm-hmm. uh, as, as a contractor, but you know, this no business I think can operate successfully without just the involvement of so many different people. And exactly. You know, when I first, when I signed my first lease um, or my second lease, I took over a sublease from another company when we moved into downtown Houston, where we are now, you know, about 3,000 square feet. The legal documentation and even negotiating um, that deal was, was a intimidating experience for me. First person I called was my, was my high school friend. I mean, even even before high school, middle school friend, Freddie Chang. You know, he read the documentation, uh, edited it he even hopped on the call with me and uh, the landlord and the, the current tenant at the time who was negotiating with us. And I'm like, Freddie, I don't know what I'm doing here. Can you just, can you just take over? Can you just say everything? He's like, I got it. I got it. People like that who just will step up and help you out. I mean, you just, no one gets you know where they are without, without that type of support and help. So um, I mean, I can tell you so many stories of all the people that have helped us along the way. Uh, but that's, you know, with regards to accounting and legal, uh, or uh, those are, those are two people, Melissa and Freddie, who you know just they never even ask like, what do you need, um, or what do you what do you want, like what can you give me in return?
0: I think that yeah, I think that is one of the biggest challenges. You know, all these people who want to create their own business or start their own business is a lot of people don't realize that they don't have to do everything by themselves or on their own. Um, it's okay to leverage mentors. It's okay to leverage resources that you have at your finger. Fingertips. And yeah, that's Ed, that's a great example of what you did to build Houston X skate Room. So let's move on to the next one. Sure. Hoop Club.
1: It's organized pickup basketball. It sounds like an oxymoron. I've never, you know, organized pickup. Like those two words just don't go together. Mm-hmm i've never experienced it before so f-
0: yeah. so for listeners who don't know basketball or don't know sports sure. what is
1: what is pickup basketball and what is organized basketball pickup basketball is just when you show up at a at a court and you want to play a game whether there's people around or not like you're just gonna you're just trying to organically start something just with random strangers with random strangers whoever is there has a ball i mean if it's five people you try to play three on three you know if there's 30 people then you have five on five and you have a wait list of people ready to come you know queuing up to to play in the next game yeah that culture is it's it's so fascinating to me Uh, pickup just looks similar and different in everywhere everywhere you go every gym has their own rules or (laughs) house rules if you will yeah
0: and then on the other side what is organized then
1: organized is when you can minimize when you can I think when you can minimize the waiting um, for the players, when you can minimize the drama um, that comes with unorganized basketball, where there's disagreements and arguments around foul calls, what the score is, just things that make it messy, not fun uh, for everyone else that's around. You know, whatever we can do to, to provide some structure uh, to the experience to, mm. to let everyone have. To not have to think about making their own calls or or the drama around basketball. I don't want to say the, the calls because we do have the players make the calls.
0: So so what point in time or what really inspired you individually to kind of mesh the two together? And then the second question is why basketball? Why mesh
1: organized? Organized and pick pickup up together. Well, I first experienced organized pickup when I was living in New York. Um, It's probably what I miss most about living in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. There's this company out there called Indoor Hoops. And they're the ones who, you know, I'm really trying to emulate. Um, You know, they've been able to, they're a nonprofit up there. And they're in a lot of the schools in Manhattan and and even in Queens and Brooklyn. And they're growing too. Yeah, they rented out school gyms. um, and, And pretty much any given night, I can go out to like probably five different gyms and play. It was just easy because Elizabeth was traveling for work and I could just, you know, feel like, hey, I wanna go check out, you know, Upper West Side and check out the gym they have there. And it'd just be a reason to go explore too. And so I'd meet new people. And I first came, so I first came across that concept while I was living in New York. And when Elizabeth and I moved back to Dallas, I just didn't know if that concept would work here in, in Texas and if it was even needed. Because in New York we have such you know high density of population and very few like big box gyms you know you have I think an equi- I remember like an Equinox but you don't have LA Fitness or twenty four hour um, fitness connection uh, here in Texas but at the same time you know I did play at LA Fitness a lot in Dallas five years ago mm-hmm. and it was fru- it was a frustrating experience um, most of the time. And so I thought, well, maybe it could work here. So I just, I had, I just wanted to try it to see if, see if it could catch on, and see if we would get traction. Um, and we just started once a week at a church, and you know, posted on Meetup.com and Craigslist, and um, just try to get the word out about it. You know, first night I think we had like six people show up. We just played three round three, and it was fine. And maybe the next week we had eight. And then the following week, I think we finally hit ten, um, and that was pretty exciting to run full court and bring in people who didn't know each other and you know play the game that I love. Um, so sorry, back to your question about like why basketball. Um, you know, basketball wasn't necessarily my sport growing up. I played tennis um, growing up, like you, mm-hmm. and but I always loved I always loved basketball. Um, I remember my older cousin, like just we would just watch you know, all the NBA games, he would quiz me. Like I knew pretty much like every player's number like in the nineties and they would just ask me the most random players and I would just tell them the team and the number and I just had a fascination with like teamwork and role, I mean, different roles on the court, uh, making big shots. It was just, I think it's the team, maybe the team aspect, you know, playing an individual sport like tennis, um, where, you don't really get that opportunity to to work with others um, on the court towards a common goal. I think maybe that's what made me love it so much. Um, And
0: I mean, comparison-wise, it's it's also just easier than, for example, like baseball or football to get a group of people together to play. Yeah, um, lunchtime at school. Exactly, exactly. Um, So earlier you alluded to the escape room requiring zero marketing, zero... (laughs) Advertising—it was all word of mouth. Is that the same experience you're seeing with um, Hoop Club, or is it comp- something different?
1: It's something different, but yeah, it's just they're they're unique they're unique businesses in the sense that with Hoop Club, I have so many locations and facilities, and when we launch a new facility, that's not really within our circle of influence or like you know, our radius of operations. It's been hard to launch new locations that are further out. Um, So within city of Dallas, now that we're partners with the city, um, with the city of Dallas as a vendor, um, we can operate in more of the Dallas recreation centers. And so I think that our presence is growing and whenever we launch a new facility in Dallas, it's been well received and getting that first session started hasn't been too bad. But out in Irving and McKinney, when we launch a new one out there, you know, it's, it's not, it's been slow. It's been tough to to make sure that that market knows who we are, what we do, and give us a shot. Because I think, I mean, there's no better advertising for Hoop Club than coming out and playing and experiencing it for the first time. Because once you, once you do, I mean, once our players do, I, I mean, I don't know the numbers exactly, but I'm, pretty confident that at least 50% come back for a second time. You know, I think that's pretty good retention. I think the goal now is is we've thrown a lot of darts at the board in terms of different marketing channels and opportunities um, that I didn't have to do with Escape Room in the beginning. I think we're honing in on what it needs to be for Hoop Club. You know, I think it's leveraging word of mouth and influencers in the area and partnering up with the right types of brands and companies uh, to be able to support each other. And, you know, just like what we're doing with this podcast, you know, being able to find those who have you know, a voice in this community uh, to be able to, to tell others about what we're doing. So when you say you open or launch a new location or facility,
0: I guess dive a little more deeply into that. Are you saying you're partnering with certain cities, certain rec centers, churches, things like that? How are you choosing these locations? And how do they open their gyms
1: up to you? Uh, Man, that was, those are probably the, the, that's one of the hardest parts about getting this business started was finding a facility that would even give us a chance to do what we want to do. Because when you try, when I try to explain this concept, and I've pitched it so many times to so many facilities, whether it's churches or schools or, or recreation centers, it's just, you just get the door shut in your face a lot, you know, get used to it. Um, but it just takes one to say yes, uh, to give you a shot. So now, now we're choosing to go down the path of working with city recreation centers because we're building credibility through the city of Dallas Recreation Center. And I think that gives us some, you know, like I said, credibility for other rec centers to be able to say, oh, you're already operating uh, in the city of Dallas and it's been going well. You know, maybe we'll give you a shot. So instead of going to churches and instead of going to schools, we're going down Mm -hmm. the path of finding rec centers uh, that are willing to to have us as vendors or partners in leading some programs for for the rec centers and so what's really cool about one of the things i think that's really cool about what we're doing is i think that hoop club is can be put under the umbrella of the sharing economy and i know a lot of businesses can say that oh they're going to be like uber or airbnb Um, but the reason that i feel like hoop club can all can claim that as well is because we're tapping into underutilized civic resources. You know, that's something that I don't know of any other business that's doing. And I think it's a win-win win situation for the community because we're putting in more revenue into these uh, rec centers that already have great programming for kids and for the elderly. And they could always use more funding. And so I think we are bringing in a new demographic that they don't get to see very often in the rec centers, the young working professionals. You know, we are the ones who are going out to boutique, trendy um, fitness classes, whether it's yoga or orange theory or, uh, I don't know, cycling. Yeah, Rise Rise Nation. I mean, all that stuff is really cool stuff. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, the basics are, you know, just weights, you know, end up in the, in the basketball court. Yeah. And so that's what a lot of these rec centers have. And I think people are always so surprised when they get to the rec center. Like what, like I get access to all of this for $15 a year for sure to 40 facilities around town. Like no one really knows about it in our age demographics. Yeah.
0: So I guess let's look at the, the perspective of the city then. Um, so you said you're a partner slash vendor of the city of Dallas currently, Right. And so you have access to you know the recreation centers but do you do you decide on what night you're going to dedicate hoop club and then how does for example the other night i visited you at walnut hill Rec- recreation center what if i was just a random guy with three friends who came in and i was expecting to play basketball with just the two of us but then there's hoop club there and i can't join and how, how do you deal with that side of the business for them
1: Yeah, no, that's a very fair question. And it's right now it's up to the rec centers to give us programming time. A lot of the rec centers have quotas that they have to have for programming, for adults, for kids, for elderly. And they also have requirements for having open gym Mm -hmm. play basketball. But one thing that you'll find pretty consistently across the different rec centers, even outside Dallas, is pick up basketball is a problem for a lot of rec centers because of the drama and the fighting that happens so many gyms have told us that they only rent half court gym they only run open play basketball on half the court because they don't want to deal with the drama i don't know that i mean i guess half court minimizes some of the drama that comes with basketball um but it's just it's a very consistent problem and so when we explain to them what we do they're very excited to give us a try and to give us a shot. They are the ones who refer, you know, the visitors to the gym who want to play. Like, Hey, y'all should sign up for Hoop Club. You can't come back otherwise, like for these open gym times. But uh, you should, you know, we run our basketball programming through Hoop Club now. And so that's, that's what I would... Um, it's it's actually a
0: real true partnership. Then at that point, it's not you just really running out the gym, but you working in alignment with that particular rec center to build something.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're supportive of us now. They're they're helping us market it and get the word out. Um, and so beautiful. it's it's been a real shift. Um, but I know one of the I know I'm gonna get ahead of myself because this is one of your questions that you like to ask the entrepreneurs about like crazy, kind of like crazy sure. obstacles. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But this this is a good segue for it, if that's okay. When we applied to become a vendor for uh, the city of Dallas, mm-hmm. this process really tested my patience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I love the staff, you know, that, that I deal with at the different rec centers. It's, a sl- it's slow, it's really, really slow the things that you care about dealing with, you know, government employees oh, yeah. and all that stuff. I love all these people on an individual basis. I've gotten to know all, of, like so many people um, in the system and they're supportive, they they wanna be helpful. And a lot of times maybe they're just not, they're just not up to speed with technology and there's so much red tape with what they're allowed to do and can't do. But at the same time, there are things that I feel like are within their control that that are just really hard and test my patience. So, we applied probably in April of 2017, uh, sorry, twenty seventeen. Sorry, April twenty eighteen mm-hmm. uh, to become a vendor, and we just got it. What is it like? Basically, a year and a half. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And they lost my application like about three months into the process because no. it's like a it's a paper Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. paper. Yeah, man the manager at Fred's, you know I mean, he passed away like during this process. And he oh, was man. like one of our, he was like kind of our champion and yeah. pushing it along. And then yeah. all I could, you know, I just have to hunt down who who in this entire bureaucracy. Like, am I supposed to talk to? And it's like this one lady, you know. And all I can do is just be nice and persistent. You know, call her up like once a week. How are you doing? Like, yeah. hey, you know, any update? You know, on, on our application and she'll tell me, oh, it's got to go to like these 10 people and get signatures and all this stuff. And Co- how- Coincidentally, I was actually on
0: LinkedIn last night looking at the city of Dallas's page. <laughs> yeah. And there's over, there's not an exact amount, but there's over 10,000 employees. Of course, that's not just parks and recreation, but yes, bureaucracy is a big part of all government entities. I do want to end with a couple questions. Um, sure. First one is hoop club. You said it's a year and a half now the first month or so it took you, I guess it took a full month for you to get to 10 people, right. but let's talk about the growth. Like what, what are we looking at now? What's the user base now? And you know, what are your projections a year from now and, and and so forth? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wish I knew the answer to that, Albie. I mean, I wish I, I I haven't been great about like looking at the numbers and the statistics because a lot a lot for me is just going on gut feel and being out there and seeing it and feeling the energy from different people and seeing new faces so I don't I can't tell you like this number of people have come through at this point this number of new people retention rate etc but it does it makes me think about one of my guiding principles and uh, one of my life verses from the bible um, and that's proverbs 16 9 in his heart a man plans his course but the lord determines his steps i think as an entrepreneur <laughs> you try to plan out like your five-year vision your your mm-hmm. one-year vision your quarterly goals and all that stuff but i mean so much of it you just have to have a long-term view and patience and and trust and faith that it's going to work out. You know, it's so funny. Like, you know, you came out this past Wednesday and, and for our commercial shoot, right? And last Wednesday, um, you know, the session got canceled because of weather and hailstorm. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I've been planning this, you know, and wanting this to happen so badly. And then like the one, you know, the two days out of the year that Dallas gets, you know, hailstorm warnings, it's like that night. Yeah. And it didn't even happen. And it's like, geez, like... <laughs> I mean, you can plan, you can plan as much as you want to, but you know, like it doesn't always work out um, the way you want it to, and that's it, it, you have to be okay with that. And projection wise, I, I have huge plans. I think I have huge, huge plans for for hoop club this year to be able to expand nationally, you know, and for, for <laughs> if you're traveling for work and you're in Seattle. Um, you know, on a Tuesday night and you're like I want to play basketball, you can go down the street from your hotel and we'll be there. You'll get the same consistent hoop club experience there that you will hear. Hmm. Um, it's just it's a matter right now. I feel like it's a matter of timing and uh, seeing traction being, before me being willing to put more resources into into the company. Um, you know, I think a lot about I think a lot about business the way I think about poker. I don't know if you play poker uh, much but you know just like when when to go all in and when to make bets and i think one myth that people have a lot about entrepreneurs is that you know they're they're high risk or they're 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 able to you know just i don't know like no you gotta pick your spots you yeah pick your spots yeah That's and i'm very risk averse actually yeah. uh, very conservative but you could save save that for for another conversation yeah those
0: those are a couple good lessons in your statements there first definitely yeah sometimes you just have to let life run its course so you have to stay flexible you have to stay agile throughout the whole process and then this you know more recently you said about you know just picking your own spots and just knowing when to go all in knowing when to bluff Mm -hmm. knowing when to just make the move and that's those are great lessons learned. Crazy goals you have, so you want hoop club to go national. I feel like it can work. I travel for work personally. Yeah. I would love to find you know organized pickup basketball wherever I
1: go. That's okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the thing I, I, I don't like about my business though the most. That's okay. Yeah, it's 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 expensive. I feel like it's really pricey for for players. I think I think to spend ten bucks to play basketball is not something people want to do. Um, you know one of the things I say that we're trying to do with, with Hoop Club is, is that it's, that's ball for all it's for everyone and I do think that we're doing a good job of actually breaking down a lot of social barriers and just bringing different people together I think that's what I do love about Hoop Club but accessibility right now is probably the, my toughest challenge just, you know, the $10 price point per session is something that I'd like to bring down so that more people can come out and play.
0: So regarding price point and especially access, how do people get exposed or find Hoop Club today? You know, is this something that they can, is there an app? Is there a website, Facebook? Like, what? what, what is the best way for someone to find Hoop Club?
1: Just going to the website is probably the easiest. Just hoopclub.org. Um, follow us on social media or on Instagram, Facebook. Word of mouth. Just telling other people about it, you know, at the rec centers. Um, Those are, those are probably the best ways to to come across Hoop Club. And
0: are these, um, you know, one-time fees that where you have to play or, or is it like a monthly membership? How, how do people join Hoop Club?
1: It's pretty drop-in friendly. Uh, You you do have to have a rec card for our Dallas facilities. Um, For our non-Dallas facilities, you can pay online, show up and play, show up and play when you want. Uh, No memberships, pay when you want to play. Cool. Anything else, Ed, before we end the podcast? No, just thank you so much for having me.
0: I'd like to thank Ed again for joining the podcast and really giving us a little insight into the Houston Escape Room as well as his new business venture, Hoop Club. He did send me a personal message the other day and he wants to do a part two. He wants to dive deeper into Hoop Club and what that really means and, and the potential for growth there. So be on the lookout for a potential part two with Ed Chow. Our last sponsor here is Tasty Tales in Richardson, Texas. They are open from 11 to 9 on Sunday to Thursday. Friday Saturday, they're open from 11 to 10. Most likely those hours are extended in the summer. I haven't messaged Michelle personally, but I know that she's going to keep it open as long as you're eating drinking and having a good time in the restaurant. There's a lot of specials going on right now. There's happy hour every single weekday from three to seven, $5.99 crawfish on Tuesdays, crawfish Tuesdays. There's tasty Thursdays, probably wind down Wednesdays, Sunday Fundays, there's a bunch of stuff. And I know that Mock is actually heading up to Dallas next weekend. So if you guys want to meet us, we'll be at Tasty Tales. But if you guys can't fit in, you know, meeting us into your schedule, just mention Six Pennies Podcast to your server, to Michelle, to anyone there that works at Tasty Tails and they'll give you a nice 15% discount off your entire bill. Again, that's Tasty Tails in Richardson, Texas. Mention Six Pennies Podcast and you'll get a nice little discount there. The other thing I wanted to talk about is just what we're doing on social media. So Six Pennies Podcast, we have a Facebook account, we have a Twitter account, and an Instagram account. Uh, easy to find us, it's just Six Pennies Podcast. I think on Twitter, it's just Six Pennies Pod. But please, please take some time to follow us and like us and uh, be on the lookout for the next giveaway. I think the plan is to have an Instagram only giveaway coming up in the next couple weeks. And if you have any time, please go to iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Spotify. And give us a nice review, give us five stars, and uh, it'll be greatly appreciated. Thank you, guys.